0: Warning, this podcast contains themes of sexual assault and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. If this raises any concerns for you, please contact Lifeline at 13 11 14. Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between, I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I chat to Sky Blue Henderson. Skye and her brother Jake were recently eliminated from the Amazing Race Australia. Skye wants to use this experience to tell her story and help others after losing her hand at birth and giving up year 12 to look after her mum. Then later on, lifeguard Baxi joins me for Beach Banner and I go to the mailbag to answer questions from the fans. Okay, this week it's very exciting. I've got uh, Sky Blue Henderson in the Beach Shack. Welcome, Sky. Woo-hoo-hoo! Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, it's you know it's good to have a have a chat, and uh, obviously recently uh, you uh, were in the Amazing Race Australia. So tell us a little bit about that. You did that with your your brother, was it?
1: Yeah, I did it with my older brother. So I got two brothers, but yeah, did the big Amazing Race with Jake. And um, most amazing thing I've ever done in my life, hands down.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, if I did it with my brother, we'd be probably punching on every five minutes. So how, did was there any arguments in there? Or did you have any massive blow-ups for people that that haven't seen the show? I think you'd still be able to see it on um, 10 Play. It was on uh, Network 10. So if anyone out there that wants to catch up, you can pretty much catch up on it. So, yeah, how was that? Was it any blow-ups?
1: Surprisingly, no. I mean, we obviously had our tips like every siblings would, but no massive huge flights. There was a, yeah, few few hiccups every now and again. But overall, it was actually pretty good. I mean, we ended up swimming naked together. It was a <laughs> challenge, not, not by, you know, choice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bit
0: but, daunting, uh, nah, it wouldn't it? <laughs> swimming
1: naked
0: it's with different. your brother. <laughs> yeah,
1: naked in Tasmania. You know what they say about siblings,
0: eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I oh, know. Um, also, was there any... Challenges that you thought that like when you're going in, obviously you had no idea about you know. Obviously, we've, everyone's watched the show at some stage, but were there anything in there that was a, a bit like, oh, geez, I, I didn't expect that it'd be that difficult.
1: I mean, we probably struggle the most with dance challenges. Right, I'm not a dancer. I will never pretend or anything to be a dancer. I suck.
0: Well, they say oh, <laughs> I you're probably I- you're probably a bit young to know Thunderbirds, but they sort of say oh, I dance like Thunderbirds, so. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, much on the same path there.
1: Yeah, so the dancing challenges were pretty difficult. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'll never eat an oyster again in my life, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't like the oysters?
1: No, especially when you have to eat 100 of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be a massive challenge, that one. Well, I don't mind oysters, so I probably would go close to eating 100. I'd probably feel a bit sick well, after that. Well, it. you
1: can gladly take my place for that <laughs> any time <laughs>
0: Mate, I'd be getting lost all the time in the, uh, trying to work out where i meant to be at each time. Yeah. <laughs> so the show, um, what, what sort of made you want to go on the show in the first place?
1: Um, it was actually Jake's idea. Um, it was just a random throwaway comment that he had. But I had a certain message that I wanted to get out there. And I figured the Amazing Race is probably the best possible platform to do that which is obviously like I was, I was born with, with one hand. And ever since I was little, you know, doing swimming lessons, I was told that I wouldn't be able to do things. And, you know, that's obviously progressed throughout my life. And, you know, the, doing The Amazing Race gave me that opportunity and that platform to have a voice and actually show people that, you know, no matter your difference, no matter who you are, what you look like, what people think of you, as long as you believe in yourself and you have the drive and determination, you can one hundred percent achieve it.
0: Yeah, that's hundred percent right. And um, well, let's uh, go back then. And, and how did you lose your hand? For people that don't know, and uh, let's start the story from there. And and we'll go through the the challenges you must have felt and uh, had during that time and you know throughout your life.
1: Yeah. Well, um, for most of my life, I actually told people I was attacked by a shark.
0: <laughs> um, that's not a bad story. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I actually had my story down pat. It was so believable. Um, but I was actually born like that and it was in my mum's womb, the umbilical cord wrapped around and very much like a sheep's tail, I guess it sort of just constricted it and I don't know if it dropped off yeah. or if it just stopped growing. <laughs> but, yeah, pretty much like that. And that hurt my mum, I guess, when I was born because I didn't actually know. And when I was born, they sort of took me away straight away and they're just like, you know, what's – what's wrong with my baby, and they just wrapped me up and gave me back to her without actually telling her. And it wasn't until, like, she unraveled my blanket that she saw. So it was a shock for her. But ever since I was little, I've had people, you know, say that I can't do things straight off from swimming. um, At swimming lessons, they're like, oh, she'll never be able to swim in anything but a circle, um, which I dominate at swimming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously I'm a lifeguard, so I've seen plenty of people swimming, uh, down the beach, in the pools, and everything, and yeah, I mean, I've seen plenty of people with uh, all kinds of uh, issues that they, you know, that they can do it as long as you put your mind to it. You can, uh, you can do anything you want.
1: One hundred percent.
0: So as you went to school, I suppose you know, younger and and, and went through primary school then into high school. Like well, you hear a lot in the, in the news, especially lately too, about how much bullying goes on at school. So I can imagine were you put to one side? Was it hard to get friends or were people sort of bagging you for for whatever reason?
1: Surprisingly, to my knowledge, I was never actually bullied in high, like in primary school or high school because of it. Um, It was more so people at certain times were afraid of me just because they obviously were uneducated on people that were born a bit different. Um, And I still remember there was this, one particular thing, I lived in a court um, up until I was, I think, nine and probably around about seven or, yeah, maybe like six or seven. There was a house at the end of the street, and, you know, everyone in the court were all friends. And I went to go over to this person's house and they had, you know, a sister. And I actually, like, the parents told me I wasn't allowed to come inside. And this, like, I'm like tiny, I'm like six or seven,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, not really understanding why. And, yeah, it was, it was because like her daughter was petrified of me just because of the way that I looked. And, you know, I guess there's so many people out there that I guess aren't aware or are sheltered to a certain extent. And, you know, you, you walk down the street and stuff and, you know, kids will stare. And when I was little, especially, they they would tell their kids oh you stop staring but my mum she actually made a point of she's like no let them ask because that was the way i guess they learnt. but it also made me feel like i wasn't so different yep. because my mum pushed pushed that
0: and did that did you find by your mum doing that it helped you in hindsight now when you look back at that
1: 100 i think like my both my parents brought me up to think that i'm no different to anyone else mm. and i've I've lived with that mentality. Like, I don't believe that I've got a disability. I hate that title. I refuse to let people pigeonhole me as that because I don't. Yeah. Um, I have a physical difference. I look a little bit different, but so does everyone else. I mean, some people have red hair. Some people have black hair. Um, it's just a little bit different. People ask me, you know, how do you do things with one hand? And my response is, well, how do you do things with two?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's yeah, a good way to put definitely, it. And a great yeah, attitude to have.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um but yeah, that's all that's all from my parents.
0: Mm. Cuz I think a lot of people and especially i I a lot of people listening. Obviously there's a a younger crowd also that that watch Bondi Rescue and I've you know and 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 it's an international show now and I'm getting a lot of people that are listening to the podcast and and sending messages in and and a lot of them are struggling with different things in their life. But then you know you speak to yous- yourself and it's really enlightening that you can you know, you're just a normal person. And that's what I think a lot of people need to get. You need to get rid of that, the society on, on, on you know, how they portray people and, and really um, get that message out. So that's that's really good.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people out there that not, they don't feel sorry for themselves, but they definitely fall into that that pigeonhole category yep. because they have so many people doubt them. And with that, they t- they tend to believe it. Whereas I've sort of gone the opposite route. And if people doubt me, I'm just like, okay, well, you tell me no, I'm going to show you yes.
0: Hmm.
1: I've sort of gone down that avenue instead.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I might even, have, you know, if you swim well, I might even that you never know, you might be a lifeguard one day. Come down, try out. You could get on the uh, team down there.
1: <laughs> I do have my surf bronze.
0: <laughs> so when you were uh, getting towards the end of your high school, I, I, you, you didn't sit for your, Year 12 exams, what was that reason?
1: Yeah, no, my my mum was in a, a pretty traumatic car accident. So, yeah, that was in the midst of year 12 studying for exams. And, yeah, she round the corner from, from my house. She, yeah, crashed her car and she ended up breaking her back in three places, shattering three vertebrae. And, yeah, she's now held up by – she's got like a metal cage around her spinal cord with bolts and plates, like holding her upright and stuff. So it was, that was going 11 years ago now, but yeah. So I actually gave up my year 12 exams because I was going, you know, catch a train, then a bus in to see my mum every day in the hospital to yeah, to look after her and stuff.
0: Right. So you're basically just full-time looking after her at that time?
1: Um, Well, at that time she was still in hospital but I made it my mission to make sure I was by her side all day, every single day.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's very, that'd be, yeah. You know, one tough seeing your mum like that, but then to commit that much time as well, it's, you yeah, know, that's not everybody can, can do that even though it's a, a loved one.
1: Yeah, and I, I still remember I had so many friends get mad at me because that's when schoolies was all happening as well. Yeah. And back then I was I was very guarded. Everything that was personal to me I kept strictly to myself and I ended up, you know, only one or two people actually knew about it. And I had so many friends actually get angry at me for bailing on schoolies. Yeah, did they know I was looking after my mum.
0: <laughs> I know, that's right. You know, you've got to have the, your priorities. I mean, at this day and age, I, I know, um, like my wife a, does a lot of work with um, festivals and she was at one a few years ago. And there was a, a girl, would have only been probably 18, had an overdose and they were trying to revive her, and her friends came up, and, and I just still to this day can't believe that this would happen. They were complaining because they were trying to work out what she had taken, but they were complaining they were missing the act. You know, oh, is this going to take very long? You know, this poor girl's nearly dead. Wow. And, and, and it's just mind-blowing that that people, as you are saying, that, you know, they're saying, oh, why don't you come to the schoolies? It's like bizarre on this day and age the way people think
1: like there's so there's much bigger things happening in the world like that it's absolutely mind-boggling yeah
0: and that's what we need to sort of and i've been trying to do a lot of stuff especially through the podcast to try and change the mentality and behavior of people and um you know i've done a lot of work with um mental health obviously as lifeguards we deal with a lot of body retrievals we deal with a lot of suicide uh so that's something that we need to put in place but Also, you know, you've said in the past that you've been sexually assaulted and physically assaulted. Like that's something that I've been working towards as well with uh, domestic violence. I've done a lot of campaigns to, um, you know, help women in in that way where we get that message out there as, you know, being a male myself. I get embarrassed that, you know, there's there's men out there treating women like they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it obviously works both ways. It's not just you know, men doing it to females, it obviously does work both ways. But I think whether it's females are a lot more vulnerable at certain points. Um, and I guess they feel, you know, scared when it, when it comes up to, you know, them against like a man, I guess. Um, but yeah, I guess every single time I go out, you know, you get the, the occasional like bum grab and stuff, but um, something happened and I've actually never really spoken about it yeah. ever that happened when I was 19 and it was a little bit more than a, than a sexual assault. Um, it actually, you know, I was, you know, I was a virgin and then I wasn't and I wasn't by my choice.
0: Yeah. That'd be, um, um, well, a lot physically tough, mentally tough. It'd be something that, uh, would be hard to deal with. How did you deal with that from there?
1: Um, I didn't really deal at all. Um, I ended up, in hospital, actually, because I tried to end my life because I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. Sorry, I'm getting all shaky. No, fine. Um, But, yeah, and it was something that I never sort of really dealt with. I just tried to forget it. Um, but, yeah, a couple of years ago, it was only, I think, two years ago, I, like, since that point, I was very much you know, stood up for myself. You know, there's been times, you know, I've hit people that have, you know, touched me and, and mm. stuff like that. Whereas, yeah, this particular time I didn't react in the way that I usually would. So I was grabbed from behind. I turned around and I just knocked knocked his hat off and he clocked me one in the face and knocked mm. all my teeth in, like oh. my front teeth. So I, I was lucky because I was there for my brother's birthday and, you know, I was with, a whole bunch of guys, so they were obviously very protective. Yeah. Um, but that scarred me. Like, that affected me more than I've ever been affected. I think it's because it brought up past things as well. Mm. And, you know, I was on a soup diet for, you know, like two months. I ended up, you know, having to get wires and stuff along my teeth and in my mouth mm. to try and fix it. They He broke the bone that ran across the top of my – Oh, right, the top like, of your mouth, under
0: your nose there, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that was the first time I had ever sort of had so much anxiety to the point, you know, for a whole year, I didn't actually go out into the city. I would, wouldn't go out at night time. I would very rarely go out, you know, during during the day in the city. Um, and yeah, I sort of like really kept to myself for a whole year. Um, and it wasn't until a year later um, that I actually went out for the first time. I was actually with my brother for his birthday again, but we were in Europe, right? Um, which was awesome.
0: but. Yeah. So you basically kept a lot of the stuff to yourself. You didn't sort of have anyone to to speak to about it or anything like that?
1: Um, No, I definitely had people to speak to, but back then and I've really learned from it is I used to bottle everything and hold everything completely to myself for myself and always, you know, have the persona that I'm happy all the time and – It wasn't until, you know, probably about a year ago that I actually realized how unhealthy that was and bottling everything up just means you're just putting on the shelf, but one day that shelf is going to get too heavy and it's going to completely and utterly crumble Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be under the entirety of that mess that you've Mm -hmm. just been bottling up. So I learned that the hard way and, you know, I've learned that it's it's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's okay to talk to people. It's okay to lean on people, which is something that I never did. I loved being that person for other people, but I always refused to do it myself. Whereas now I'm at that point where if I know something's up, I'll happily talk to someone about it because I know now that that's the absolute healthiest way to do it. Um, And I saw a psychologist for, for a whole year, which for years, you know, I, like people were just like, oh, maybe you should see someone, maybe you should talk to someone. And I was like, no, I don't need to, I don't need to. But that was one of the best things I ever did.
0: Yeah. So, Well, I think it's great that you're speaking about it because it helps so – you'd be surprised how much what you've just said will help so many people when they listen to this podcast because there's so many people in the same situation that don't know where to turn to. And, you know, the, as you said, that if they don't know how to deal with it – the next thing is suicide, and I think it's um, great that you you should just keep you know speaking about us, even though it, it possibly could be hard for yourself. But it is. Will Des set help so many people?
1: Yeah. Well, what I've learned the past year, the reason I sort of changed my tune and became okay with talking about things is, although it may be hard for me, if it potentially can help even one person, then I'm, I'll happily talk about it. I will happily be an open book if it's something that will benefit someone else 100%. And that's like, that's another thing, like in terms of the race, like being able to have that platform for, you know, that, that avenue of trying to get things out, but
0: yeah. And also you, um, I suppose through your life, you would have been told no a lot, you know, how'd you get through that?
1: Yeah. Being told (laughs) I've heard no more, more (laughs) times than I ever had. Yes. Whether it be, trying out for squad for basketball or whether it be, you know, a modeling gig, just absolutely anything. Just like, Oh no, you don't really fit it. Um, But I've always sort of used that as, I guess, sort of fuel or ammunition to ignite what's inside of me to just to keep pushing forward. It's like, I'll continuously get knocked down, but I will continue to get up as long as I've got, you know, even one step, it's still a step in the right direction in my eyes. And one of the hardest ones was last year, I applied for a paramedic college and I got in, which was awesome. I was ecstatic over the moon. And it wasn't until my orientation when the head teacher saw that, you know, I only had one hand and they terminated my enrollment right then and there. They refused to talk to me. It was only through someone else. Via what she said, saying that oh, you know, there's there's just a lot of carrying involved. You know, I sent an email. I'm just like, you know, I've been a, a camp instructor and I've run a camp for the mm. past ten years. I'm more than capable. I do this. I do that. I do this. And then they came back and they're just like, oh, no, it's actually to do with this. So they never gave me a direct sort of answer. They just assumed that I couldn't do it because they thought that they wouldn't be able to do it with one hand. So. You know, you is know that, I'm always f- going to get it, you know.
0: Yeah. Is that frustrating no. for you that people, they'll assume something without actually sitting down and speaking to you first where you might be able to explain something and then they would turn around and go, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, it's furiating, um, frustrating, and somewhat, I guess, heartbreaking just because, they're so set in their ways yeah. that they're not open-minded enough to be like, okay, well, if you think you can do it, like, we'll let you try type thing. It's more so, oh, no, nah, this is the way that we do it. That's mm-hmm. the only way. And that's where, you know, having the incredible opportunity to go on the Amazing Race because it, it has, by the looks of it, opened so many people's eyes to the fact that, you know what, like, yeah, she's only got one hand, but she can do absolutely everything if not better Mm. with that one hand than what we can do with two. Um, And I will continue to keep pushing that. You know, I'm going to, I'm striving to be a motivational speaker to make sure that message stays out there. And I'm going to keep, you know, pushing to achieve that because, you know, keep throwing those no's at me because it's just going to give me more fuel to to force those yeses upon everyone else.
0: Yeah, it's a perfect attitude to have. And, you know, I've seen people, and, and you know what, I've seen a lot of, young kids come through the beaches that have got nothing wrong with them they've got massive amount of talent but then just throw all that away and go nowhere near where they should and then you've got someone like yourself who just you know keeps going as uh, do everything you possibly can do and it's great out for people out there to see that and I think the the more that you uh, yeah do all these talks and and get it out there, um, so many more people will uh, will appreciate it but also, hopefully we can change the way people perceive different people, you know, get away from that stigma of putting everyone in their little little box and, and, and that's where they all should be, you know, just to change it.
1: Yeah, I, I really hope so. I wish and I really hope that those stereotype pigeonholes, they get completely and utterly smushed and everyone's just on an equal playing field
0: pretty much. Because I I do a lot of – my campaign lately is Float to Survive, and if you float, you're not going to drown, and and that works in all waterways. And I went to an area where there was a a young girl who's got cerebral palsy. Now, she can't do anything herself. She's in the wheelchair, can't stand up. Anyway, they've designed a pool where they've put her into the pool, and they said, oh, no, we can't put her in. It's impossible that she'll be able to do anything. Well, you know what? After – you know, it took probably 12 months – she now can float on her own in the water. She could, you should see her face when she can actually stand up because the water holds her and she's actually standing in the water where she can't do on land. You know? And all these That's people were, were saying, you, you, you can't do it. But someone like that, she just so determined and she did it. And, and she loves just going swimming. It's something she's very limited in what she can do with anything in life. But that gives us such satisfaction.
1: Yeah, 100%. And Yeah, I mean, prime example, very similar sort of example. Um, my next-door neighbor, um, her name's Melina, and she's very much the same. But she does, you know, indoor skydiving all the time. Yep. She obviously, you know, she talks through, um, you know, the key like keyboard and stuff. But things that she does, just likewise, um, this girl that you're talking about, is people looking just like, oh, no, they won't be able to do that. But... They can do absolutely anything as yeah. long as, you know, they obviously believe in themselves. They just need, you know, other people too as well. It's it's not that much to ask to be open-minded and be, you know, willing to even just give someone the opportunity to, you know, try it.
0: Yeah. So also I, I just want to see you said you're you're uh, quite a good swimmer. Have you ever been to the beach and, and been caught in a rip or have you seen someone else or you've had to rescue someone over the years in a rip at all?
1: Yeah, actually very recently, um, probably about two weeks ago because um, I just moved up to the Gold Coast and I've actually, I, I'll be honest, I'm not someone <laughs> that really swims in between the flags. <laughs> I've actually been told off at Bondi yeah, a few yeah. years ago.
0: So Hopefully it wasn't me. But
1: yeah, and this, this girl actually got caught and she was really struggling. I could feel it dragging at my feet um, and I asked these girls' friends, "I'm like, is your friend okay?" And they're just like, "Yeah, yeah, she's fine." And I was watching; I was she was getting further out, she was getting more tired. I'm like, "I don't think she's, I don't think she's okay." And they're yeah. just like, "No, no, no, she's okay." And then the um, lifeguards literally just like ran and swam straight past me, got her and stuff. And I was like, "That could have ended so badly." <laughs> because, I mean, I was only on the corner of it, and the force that yeah. that had. I've never been caught in one myself, yep. but just on that very edge, like you can really feel the force of yeah, it.
0: How fast it moves. But and and really the, if you float and go with the flow of the water, ninety percent of uh rips will take you to the sandbank where you can stand up or the where the waves are breaking to to come back to shore. So, you know, if people just uh use the ocean to, to their for their assistance, but there's the panic that that they uh sets in and what they want to do is swim back from where they entered so where you were standing is where they all go in but if you get taken away from that point for some reason they all want to come back and exit where they enter so yeah basically they're swimming straight back inward again
1: yeah definitely you just got to trust the ocean just go with it go with the flow
0: (laughs) (laughs) what's the ocean mean to you obviously now you're living in the gold coast you get down the beach. Yeah, I
1: think I have about seven tattoos, which is all about the ocean. I've got twelve all up, but I think yeah, right. seven are all ocean-related. But the ocean to me, not only is it something that you know I feel very tranquil, like the tranquility and stuff, but I actually have um, a tattoo on my head that says "Thalassophile," which is right. lover of the ocean, lover of the sea, and it's sort of where I've always been drawn but mainly because there's so much out there that is so undiscovered. Yeah. And there's so much things out there that we'll, we'll never understand either. But it also, to me, represents a lot of people. You know, you always, there's so much beauty on the surface and stuff, but you never know what's underneath. Yeah. And, you know, certain things happen. And honestly, just like the waves, you know, coming into the the sandbank and mm. erasing whatever's written in the sand, that's very much like pe- like people as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Like the ocean, I guess, represents not only beauty, but there's there's so much unknown with it as well.
0: Yeah, so. I'd, um, I was thinking a while ago, I've been a lifeguard now for 30 years and I was trying to work out how much time I've actually watched the ocean and then also as a kid, you know, coming down as a kid and going surfing and the amount of time that I've watched the ocean, I, the hours must be unbelievable. I just uh, – no way of working that out but you know I, I can sit and watch the ocean you know forever it's just something that uh, the way the waves break the way the water moves the wind you know this that whole structure of of that and you know we're lucky at bondi there are a lot of dolphins come through there's a lot of marine life seals and you know whales and everything so it's you know it's amazing lifestyle being around the beach
1: yeah 100 um two years ago i um was on some mates jet skis and we went out past the like past um the break and all that sort of stuff and it was just just dolphins everywhere yeah. it's absolutely incredible i did get a bit seasick just sitting on the <laughs> jet ski going up and down but yeah that was absolutely amazing and you, just seeing them in their natural habitat opposed to you know being trapped in like aquariums and stuff it's absolutely amazing and there's, there's just so much out there that's not discovered, which I don't
0: know, it's just exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, there's plenty out there. And, you know, I do a lot of ocean ski paddling, and, and you go from like 20 kilometers from one point to another. And, you know, sometimes you're probably about four or five Ks off the off the coast and, you know, running with the, yeah. the runs and everything. And, you know, you you'll often get a whale, a pop up, or a shark, or a dolphin, or something will be coming past. And it's just like you're in. Their environment, but it's just so surreal. You know, it's a, a and when you finish, it, yeah. it makes you feel, you know, like you're a hundred percent alive.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going into a, a territory that you're not your, you know, your natural, you know, area. Mm. So, yeah, it's amazing. And just seeing them and what they can do, it's just like, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what, what's, what's the future now for, for you?
1: Yeah, the future now is, the book has been opened. It's got so much potential. I have no idea where it's going to lead. I mean, I've got hopes of, you know, going into a motivational sort of avenue and just being able to help as many people as I possibly can. You know, I feel like that's my purpose. And if, if given the opportunity and, and, you know, if I'm able to to build that as, you know, a profession, then even if I'm just helping one person, that's amazing. But being able to help multiple, I think, will be absolutely, yeah, absolutely incredible. So that's that's what I'm aiming for.
0: Yeah, that's so. a perfect way to go. Just one thing before we yeah. finish. I want to know, Sky Blue, was that <laughs> at birth you are given that name or blue just came in at the end? Maybe because you sat and watched the ocean for so long. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, It was actually from birth. Originally, it was only meant to be Sky. And then my middle name was meant to be Blue Anne because Blue sort of is in representation of my Nana because her eyes are so blue. But because I was born a little bit different, my mum wanted to give me a different name to to match. So that's where Sky Blue comes into it.
0: Oh, It's not a hippie name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's actually got a really beautiful meaning behind it.
0: Well, it's um, been great chatting, Sky, and I, I think uh, what you're doing is, is magnificent. Um, I think you'll help so many people and keep doing it and uh, hopefully I'll get you back in the beach shack one day and uh, we'll uh, have <laughs> another catch-up.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'd love to.
0: I hope you enjoyed this interview. What an incredible and positive person Skye is. Next up. Beach Banner with Lifeguard Maxie. Hello, Maxie. Welcome, mate, to the Beach Shack. It's good to be back in the shack. This is my third time and I'm loving it. That's <laughs> unreal, mate. Uh, you've now, you know, you're a lifeguard for a long time, still a casual lifeguard, but you've got other interests now out there and you've uh, created this company. Uh, and you're doing a lot of great work with the kids. Why don't you tell us a yeah, bit about yeah.
2: that? So um, a couple of years ago, myself and my business partner, Lee Mason, started Live, Learn, Survive, started the company. And basically, we teach water safety and fire safety around Australia and the UK. Uh, we have aspirations to go further. But, you know, due to COVID, it's been a bit hard. But basically, we've ta- we do face-to-face stuff in schools, libraries, or clubs. And we've made it COVID-proof now where we do a lot of stuff online, digital, so we can teach in the schools. Got three children's books, Maxi the Lifeguard, they meet the Australian curriculum, part of the teacher's notes, so the teachers get the books, the teacher kids the books, then I come in and do kind of like a water safety, fire safety, just, you know, general safety chat and it all works well together Um, and I'm in the process of working on book four at the moment, so hopefully that's out by next year. But yeah, so me and Lee, you know, we work around the clock trying to get the education out there and, you know... Juggling between being a full-time firefighter and working on the beach as a casual, um, I do have a little bit of extra time to, to you know, do this stuff around Australia, and um, you know, it's slowly picking up, and we've got a lot of real, lot of cool things to come in the future. And that one of the books uh, won an award in the, over yeah. the years. Yeah, so last year, the second book uh, got the Environmental Award for Australian Children's Literature, which is cool. Even though they're water safety books and they're beach safety, we had an element of environmental side and we got recognised for that. So that's awesome to be able to, to create these things and give kids and young adults a chance to learn through the books. Um, me and Lee, like I said, work around, around the clock to come up with these products and come up with these you know these
0: um you know i think it's say. a great initiative um yeah. to get out there and you know you're teaching the kids with water safety but you're also teaching the kids about you know fire safety so yeah the combination is is very very good and uh, i think the kids love it when you turn up out there
2: yeah no it's good and it's cool because it's i'm still relevant with the both jobs so um you know Sometimes I could do a shift on the beach and then I fly to Brisbane and do a school up there. And they ask me questions about the beach. And I say, Well, yesterday we had this rescue, and oh, the other day I had this house fire. So I want to make sure that it stays relevant with the jobs that I do. And very, very lucky to still be a lifeguard. And, and obviously, being a full time fiery, I, I can put all the expertise and the, the passion into teaching
0: yeah and I remember a funny story when you were um you know kicking off, but we did a, a talk at a school together years ago and uh we've turned up and the, the auditorium there's packed with kids and you know probably what year round year eight year nine yeah. and wandered in and and you know I thought the how good's uh this they're all screaming and yelling you know I'm thinking oh, I've still got it you know, got, old bloke's still got it here and they're not realizing they they're ain't really yelling yeah. at maxie no, and uh one of the girls came up and this put it into um put my reality and ego into check because they came up and every single one that was screaming at Maxi, they'd look at me and go... My mum loves you. So <laughs> that put it in per- yeah. perspective pretty quick. Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely. No,
2: but it, it's good. Like uh, a lot of the th- a lot of things that people don't realize. I was that kid that used to be embarrassed to speak in front of crowds. I used to be a reluctant reader as a child. You know, never really grew up reading books. I've always, you know, having ADD, I was always reluctant and I was always a 100 mile an hour and I still am like that, but it's good to be able to fast forward a few years and, all those little anxieties you used to get, you know, before I start doing this, you know, they slowly slip away and then you could actually use it to your advantage and actually try and not just speak to the kids that are interested but speak to the kids that aren't as interested or disconnected in a way and try and get them involved and engaged. And, you know, me and Lee really focus on, you know,
0: looking after every child, not just individual kids. Well, you know, that's a, a great point, Maxie, and it's a tip out there for everyone listening. And if you're a young person you know if you're struggling at school and you know put your mind to whatever you really want to do and Max is a perfect example that he's worked hard kept going never given up and then uh, the results come so anyone out there yeah never if, give up never give up and anyone that is listening to the, the
2: beat shack at the moment You know, just check out the website lifeguardmaxi.com.au and uh, all the information about school staff, books, libraries, uh, what we do, live, learn, survive. Yeah, get in touch and also through Instagram as well, live, learn, survive. Great stuff, Maxi.
0: Thanks, uh, Hoppo. Thanks for coming in, mate.
2: Thanks for having me at the shack, mate.
0: Always great having Maxi in the Beach Shack. If you want to find out more about the Live, Learn, Survive program, check out their education page. Coming up next, I answer letters from the mailbag. This letter is from CN, and she's from Singapore. Is there a lot of difference between a pool lifeguard and an ocean lifeguard? Well, pretty much everything's quite similar. You'll need to um, have observation skills to make sure no one's drowning. You also uh, need your first aid skills and resuscitation skills. So pretty much very similar the only difference is as we deal with waves in the ocean and and the pools are flat so as far as i'm concerned it's uh, very similar being a lifeguard anywhere in the world uh, the only difference is you need a bit more skill in the ocean uh, when you're dealing with waves thanks everyone for listening remember to subscribe to life's a beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments or follow us on our social media channels which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, Beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.